0: Our car rumbled down the road, a straightaway begging for the pedal to the metal. As the wind whipped through our windows, covering our ears in a cacophony, we chatted idly about the Scarlet Speedster. I was a fan, from comics to television, but Matt was still learning the basics of his character. I gave him some flashbacks and funny anecdotes as we powered along the highway, unaware of the red blur creeping up behind us. Getting a bit too close to the triple digits, I eased off the gas and our car slowed naturally while he appeared beside us and waved smugly. Matt rolled down his window slowly and we stared in awe as the jogging man jovially asked us if we wanted to race. Hi, I'm John. I'm Matthew And we are the DC Detectives It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history And chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes From start to every reversible finish Alright We've been teasing this for a while now Uh, You've seen it on our Facebook We've mentioned it a couple times on both Twitter and Instagram Um, I I tend to do that when I'm taking notes and reading I kind of put some pictures up of things that I'm seeing Thank you for doing that Uh, We are covering The Flash Specifically Jay Garrick The Flash. So, some of you might be familiar with this character because he has made an appearance on the CW TV show The Flash. Um, As a side note, I am behind on the TV show, but I was binge watching season two, so I know of a gigantic plot point that happens in the middle of the season. However, I am familiar with Jay Garrick of Earth 2 in the show. I'm going to be making some references to him in comparison to this character. So that, you know, I can tie some stuff in with what everybody's watching and seeing. And we can kind of, you know, play around with that. Of course, we are in our, our new format. So Joanne, Joanne is ready here uh, in the corner with the wait, clock. Wait, is Joanne going to get to meet Joan? I Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, Joan doesn't... Sometimes they don't come in the office. I mean, we went to Wes's house before, so it's not like they come to our office. They, they kind of call us you know we're we're not that big of a deal I think, I think in a bit you know that's the goal of course is to be written into some comic as actual <laughs> detectives i'm, I'm not going to lie that was the coolest thing when it happened to jane mo oh yeah i mean like could you imagine us appearing just as like walking out of gcpd with montoya that's just that's it i'm sorry i'm dead that's the end of the podcast i'm just dead that would be cool i mean make it happen uh dc just us (laughs) just us walking out of the out of the uh the precinct with montoya passing gordon and just like waving and he acknowledges us that's it that's all we want we don't even have to say any lines (laughs) silent panel characters just a yo what's up yeah just a hey gordon boys and that's it like (laughs) that's all maybe just throwing out where's your young man gentleman friend today that's a lot of words. Yeah. For <laughs> that's a, a lot okay, of words for, for a throwaway pastoral. panel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we won't need that. But, but, bottom line, bottom line, us leaving GCPD. Y Y G M. Your Y-Y-G-M. young gentleman, young man, gentleman friend, Y M, Y M G M. your Y M G M. That's a shirt. <laughs> oh god, okay. that's a shirt now. Y M G M. Young man, gentleman friend. <laughs> Get that for babies. Well, oh, baby. Well, oh, YMGM. What? All right. You're all welcome. Right. We, we've established a tone now. You're welcome, Babies RS. That one's for free. So, introduce
1: us again to the uh, new format.
0: New format is I only have 15 minutes of plot, which I have to condense 200 plus pages into 15 minutes of summarization for all of you, which means that's a good year and a half of comics. So. You're welcome, Internet. Yeah, um, this was everybody else's idea, and frankly, it was a better idea than what I was doing. So um, we're going to go quickly through his origin issue, and then I'm just going to start rapid-firing through some of these smaller issues that are, frankly, unimportant for a lot of reasons. And I have a summation at the end that will not be part of my summary of him, more so just hmm. a circle around of like themes that showed up in the comic that we should talk about. Um, to add that to the new format so uh, would you say you're about to speed through it no but I'll be done in a flash (laughs) well (laughs) done (laughs) that was a horrible high five you got to look, go. look at the elbow. That's what it is. Yeah, we did doing, a, the, that's the thing. I was doing the look away. We did a game, Grumps. <laughs> just like the. Have you ever? You ever? No. There's a. There's super cuts of like you hearing them high five, and Aaron <laughs> will purposely really badly high five. No, like, no. Come no, on. Here's man. the thing. I, uh, I Steph Curry did. I just kind of looked away. Oh, you're out alive. of out cool. of both pride and shame. Cool guys don't look at high fives. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, Joanne, you ready? You don't look ready. Y'all ready for this? That's a good song. I know! Alright. Okay, Joanne, start the clock. Alright, so Jay Garrick is a scientist uh, who accidentally, of course, gets himself powers. That's kind of the traditional Flash trope is that uh, they're in a laboratory, something happens and they get powers for Wally, Barry, and... uh, No, not Bard, but for Wally and Barry it is lightning strike. For Jay it is... Smoking in his laboratory and knocking over some test tubes and then inhaling the vapors of heavy water. Hard water. (laughs) Hard water, heavy water. It's it's all weird classifications for water that could just be boiled down to solid water. That's a lot of uh, states of matter puns that I just did, too. Continue. Anyway, uh, he inhales this gas of hard water, which I guess uh, increases his ability to be fast. And so... There's a lot of hyperbole with how fast Jay is in the narrative boxes by Gardner Fox. Get ready, folks. It's Gardner Fox the whole way, so shit's going to get real weird. And Jay, of course, has a love interest, Joan, which makes everything very complicated because, you know, we've got, we've had Irene, Diane, Lois, and Steve, Mm -hmm. and Bruce Wayne's never-around Fiance. She's never. Aw, cake. Um, But we have Jay and Joan, so that's going to get confusing. But Joan. um, God, I didn't even notice the alliteration. Yeah, you didn't? No. Immediately. Uh, She's okay. She's his gal. And basically, she gets in a bit of a bind. And he stops these four bad guys in his first issue. uh, And they all die through kind of his negligence. Um, He doesn't kill them so much as they kill each other, but they continually show him being fast enough to have stopped these events. So I'm body counting him for all four of them.
1: But those are also the only deaths that are directly attributable to him throughout the Correct.
0: These are the only four that will happen to our knowledge so far, which is good on him, but at the same time, bro, you're really fast, like, this was not necessary.
1: I'm I'm prepared to chalk that up to bad writing. I'm prepared to chalk that up to... not figuring out the character.
0: I'm prepared to chalk that up to year one syndrome. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Ooh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's, I just don't know what I'm doing, so therefore bad things happen. Y1S. Right. So, uh that's basically the end of the first issue uh he lives in new york he's an assistant in a lab that's kind of all we get and then eventually we just kind of get him being a solo freelance scientist type he never goes to work ever he's just sciency um he's not rich like bruce wayne so that's kind of the thing that we get is that jay garrick is a scientist he has these superpowers and that's about it he's pretty cut and dry compared to everybody else he doesn't have some sort of uh Driving notion, uh, like Superman has this driving notion to do good. Batman, same thing. Sandman is kind of like loosey-goosey on sorts of things, but he's kind of okay with doing what he does because he likes adventure. Green Lantern has a motivation. Wonder Woman has a motivation. Jay Garrick just is kind of, well, uh, fuck it, I'm fast. And that's about it. So we, these are all also in a title called Flash Comics, which is branded for him, but has other stories in it, uh, like Johnny Thunder and Hawkman. So it's kind of instead of like All-Star or All-American or Detective in Action, it's Flash Comics, which all have these other JSA members in it. Uh, So that was Flash Comics, number one, January 1940. We're going to go through number two and number three. Basically, he stops a man from killing some entertainers to control the entertainment industry. And um, he helps Joan's father, uh, who has been wrongfully imprisoned, to get out of prison. That's really nice. Uh, Flash Comics number four and five. Jay saves a man trying to outlaw gambling boats in New York. Kind of a, another gambling story. We're not going to escape those purely because I'm sure at this time, 1940, gambling was a really big problem. That was a big, um, that was the big vice mm. in America. In uh, number five, however, Flash stops a man named Vandal from killing artists, or specifically a single artist to raise the worth and stealing more art. That's something we've seen. In, one of our, in our latest Batman episode with Bill Finger, uh, he did that in Batman in Detective number 42, which was kind of interesting to me. We also get some power calculations that are going to come into play here. I'm going to do those at the end of the summary, because it's going to just jump as fast as Jay gets. <laughs> it's really kind of crazy. Uh, Flash Comics 6 and 7. Jay stops a gambling racket at the olympic tryouts by entering in the olympic tryouts himself and showing everybody up and then quitting out after it's done by going it's not fair no shit it's not fair you have superpowers (laughs) um flash saves a scientist who made uh, a scientist who made a machine that can make metal disappear kind of an interesting concept way to go gardner fox you're still you know batting a thousand with this stuff so far Mm -hmm flash eight and nine uh, he stops uh, low quality building material racket we keep seeing that again that must have really been a problem in the, the 1930s and 40s like people like using subpar materials to, to get them like extra cash like spending less money on material that they didn't need or was below par so that they could keep the rest of it like I, I feel like that's huh? a like a scam like a normal scam but that seems to be at least every hero except Wonder Woman and maybe the Sandman has encountered that.
1: True. I'm not curious. Because I, think, I don't in, think Batman has. I think that seems like the kind of thing. It makes sense for the time because it's a problem of prosperity with increased construction going on. You would have that opportunity of uh robber barons, but I don't know. I I'll don't take. You know. I'll take that
0: back and say three characters: Superman, Green Lantern, and the Flash have encountered this. Batman, Sandman, uh. and Wonder Woman have not. Mm-hmm. So that's you know. Three of six though is still kind of a trend to keep an eye on, and uh, like knockoff quality stuff in general,
1: like loss of milk uh, right.
0: or subpar milk. I right, think was a depriving people of good things. Yes. Uh, flash number nine. He stops a giant lizard in Canada. I wish I would. No, meeting. that is one hundred percent the case. That's exactly. That's actually
1: in, no. He stops several.
0: He sto- well, he stops one, and then he stops a group of them, and encounters mm-hmm. an incredibly racist stereotype of a Native American. Yeah. Um, Flash number ten. Uh, he stops gangsters from controlling a city official, uh, and we get Flash number Flash Comics number eleven. A kidnapping ring. That's pretty cut and dry. Flash Comics number twelve. He stops uh, a war between Kurtavia and Neral Add those to the list of uh, our DC imaginary atlas. That two more fake countries. He fights an entire war by himself. Doesn't hurt a single person. Just humiliates people. We're going to talk about that because that Mm. is... There's a lot right there. That's a Superman uh, issue that just is very strange. Um, Flash Comics number 13. He hunts down cowboys who who shot his friend who was working at a silver mine. Like, legit cowboys that did not exist in the 1940s anymore. Because we had thoroughly settled... Every part of the United States... There was it's, no need for men in chaps and
1: spurs. It's specifically the trappings of the Old West, including an Old West town. It's like, there are there are still cowboys. There were no saying, towns. But it's not this look. No, there yeah. were sheriffs. There are, this and is
0: somebody writing a spaghetti western yeah. and saying, it's happening I wanted, today. I wanted the Flash to fight cowboys. Yes. That was yep. pretty much it. Thank you, Gardner Fox. <laughs> flash number 14. By the way, uh, Flash number 13, which was the Cowboys. Happy New Year. That was January 1941 um Flash number 14 February 1941 uh he stops a building gangster from ruining his rival who was running for mayor uh Flash number 15 another circus we need circus music because every time that happens i need to i need circus music in the background are you just going to get it progressively more distorted over time i can't anymore with circuses he he makes two crooks go straight after they try kidnapping the owner's daughter and by going straight i mean he turns them into working clowns for the circus i wish I was making this up. See, I'm, I'm actually going to argue with, this, with you on this one, because I actually really liked this This was the weirdest one!
1: And I liked it. It, oh. uh, And I'm gonna get into why,
0: but it all comes back to the cartooniness. Also, there's an incredibly meta-reference to comics in this by saying that there was a child who sees The Flash at the circus saying, yeah. I've read you in comics! And I'm like, you can't just reference yourself like that, Gardner. No, you you don't have the chops to do that right now. DC is not a big enough deal that you can do self-referential comic nods and advertise within yourself. At least reference a different character. <laughs> don't be a dick and just be like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm so cool that kids are reading comics about me. It's not even, Superman didn't even have that. He had like advertisement, but he never had his own comic in his comic. I think he was going to get it. I don't know, but it's it was incredibly self-aggrandizing. Uh, Flash Comics, number 16, April 1941. He goes to Mexico. Joan is kidnapped and uh, be- uh, because she knows the Flash. This is the first time one of the uh, girlfriends or significant others, aside from Steve Trevor, has been specifically targeted because they hang around the main character. Really? Uh, the only one that came close maybe was Diane because she was always seen with the Sandman, but Diane had her own backstory as being a criminal. And that was pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I can't
1: think of a point where she was targeted because of her association yeah. with... So, huh? uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, Julie. Right.
0: Julie's never, you know, targeted. Uh, by the way, Julie, that's Bruce Wayne's fiancé, for those of you who don't remember. It, like, it, like, took, me, I did. it, it took me a minute, it right. took me a minute. <laughs> Flash Comics number 17, he makes a crooked baseball owner turn his life around by, like... Some weird shenanigans of baseball. Again, Flash shows up a bunch of people on its on a baseball team by basically winning an entire game by himself. That's that's it. That's the uh, that's the seventeen issues we have in this episode for all of you. They're pretty. They're Gardner Fox issues, and I mean we're gonna. I'm gonna say that kindly. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of proton. Mm-hmm hammers or whatever like that that gigantic proton anvil he had for the sandman that was ridiculous um that's true there are things that are vaguely sci-fi
1: ish but they are things that are macguffins and they don't get demonstrated here because yeah i don't specifically because jones father is a scientist of the working in the manhattan project kind of variety right Uh, but it's like the most
0: the most gardner foxing by the way joanne you can stop i am done with the summary um I don't know, I, I won't keep track of the time she does, so I think we're under at this point, which I, I feel pretty good about. You moved pretty quickly. I think that was probably like thirteen minutes. That was for you listeners, I tried. Um We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be now jumping back and forth to interesting things here just so that we can find some fun stuff for all of you. Uh the most Gardner Fox things that happen in these in this series is the the machine that makes cars disappear mm. and the giant lizards. There That's, are those little tiny bits and it's Giant lizards are not little and tiny bits. Those are those are a big gaping. This is a gigantic For monster. Comic books. That's, Superman never fought a monster that large. Superman fought man-sized dinosaurs.
1: Oh God, you're
0: right. Super. The the biggest thing <laughs> Superman ever fought was in
1: in, in a lost. Uh, Atlanteans. I'm
0: talking monsters. No one's fought a monster okay. yet. The closest thing has yeah. been no, the closest thing has been Green Lantern in mm-hmm. that Kraken, and that Kraken is human size. That is a, just a big octopus. It is not like Kraken size. Okay, if we're purely talking about uh, villains and monsters, yeah, I guess... no one has fought a monster. We've we've seen armies, we've seen mechanized creations that are much more advanced yeah. than the current right. state of affairs, but we have never seen a straight up freak of science. You know, I guess we haven't, and we've seen very strange kangaroos. We we have seen some pretty, pretty, some pretty aggressive strangeroos. Um, and that kraken, and those dinosaurs that weren't really like they didn't seem much bigger than like I want to say an elephant, yeah, at yes, at best. I'll agree with that. This these lizards were like, building-sized lizards. At least the size bus. of a small... Yeah, well, the size of a sure. small factory. Like, if you look in there, they're they're bigger than cars. They're much larger like than cars. Maybe a large bus. The, yeah, it's... That's a big... That's a big lizard, man. Look how small he is in comparison like to that. Train-sized. Okay, tra- okay,
1: I'll give you train.
0: Train-sized lizards. I'll give you train. And those are... Like, he can fit in the entire mouth of that lizard. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. We're, we'll, we'll put it's, some pictures up of that. It's like a horror train. Yeah, it's it's just... It's the midnight meat train. Um, <laughs> So, oh, also another incredibly Gardner Fox thing in this is the guy's glasses that, when turned, could see the flash yes, at high speeds. That, that was, like, one of the other the most adventures. bogus oh, fake man. science oh, i've ever heard and it was it's just like there are different colors and when these colors are rotated i can see things at a faster rate than normal and i'm like that's just not how science works in general nope. sir nope. who's supposed to be a scientist also just the fact that the
1: flash vibrates so fast he looks in like a tornado place. And by doing so,
0: he is vibrating so fast that
1: he actually is invisible to the normal human eye. Which, it's which like, is
0: a thing that he does. That's not uncommon for the Flash to do. Mm, um, he, he, if he vibrates mm, at a frequency that can make him go through If he himself things,
1: can actually vibrate that substantially, like, uh, maybe I can imagine that. But you need some serious speed beyond what yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a
0: very, well, beyond here. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll talk about that. Um, no,
1: no, yeah. So the, like that's breaking. Also, physics. for
0: example, the three artists that are in charge of the Flash at this time are Harry Lampert, E. E. Hibbard, and Hal Sharp, and they're all pretty good. I mean, I actually really liked the art in these. They're not like bad. Um, I there's one specific thing that I want to call
1: out about Lampert's art. So he draws very detailed faces, extra Mm. lines, specifically the, uh, he draws eyelids more distinctly, uh, Mm. so that there's an extra line in there. Okay. Uh, he also draws, uh, a few more, uh, mouth creases. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result, everyone just looks absolutely stoned all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's only doing it for like two issues, but every single shot. Do we of, have a cocaine dandy? Uh, we don't have a cocaine dandy. Cocaine quite. dandy we have has one. We have one appearance of screaming child. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. But yeah, That's like everybody has like going from the lower uh, eyelid up through above the eyebrow. You've got like, th- uh, you've got four different lines. Just top to bottom, it's pretty, plus forehead. That's a little bit excessive. Oh, very much so. Especially with that, with the way the shots are framed, where it's always at that
0: like mid distance instead right. of like close up shots. So, some stuff that we're going to go into here purely because Gardner Fox isn't incredibly consistent when he talks about Jay's powers. For example, like, when he starts introducing his power set, he talks, like, faster than light and faster than this and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, all right, okay. Like, that's not something the Flash hasn't done. I'm willing to believe that. And then they start actually throwing numbers at you. Mm -hmm. And being me and not having things to do on a Saturday, I, um, I started calculating these. And, okay, everyone, we all know that Math and I don't hang out as much as we used to since high school and college. Um... Just, I don't understand a lot of math's letter situation. Me and calculus didn't get along, and therefore me and the math family stopped hanging out. Um, But I can do algebra pretty thoroughly. Because, remember kids, algebra is important when you become an adult. Because if we didn't know algebra, taxes and budgeting would be a problem. Oh yeah. And that's something they don't stress when you're in school. And so I did some pretty minor calculations here. And um, he does a two-hour trip in three minutes at one point. This is Flash Comics number four, April 1940. I'm an, I am gonna—I give the average of 60 miles per hour because we keep hearing that number thrown out by people who were in cars that he keeps running past. It's a common theme. 60 miles, he's going faster than 60 miles an hour. Nobody can run that fast. So I said, okay, it's a two-hour trip. And if you run 60 miles an hour, it's 120 miles. Um, but he does in three minutes. That's like... 2,400 miles an hour—that's really fast. That is baseline faster than the Invisible Jet by 400 miles an hour. So Jake can haul some serious ass. Flash Comics number five, May 1940. Um, Flash mentions to the man who is the artist, he mentioned uh, who's getting attacked, that his uh, reaction times, his nervous reaction system, is 20 times faster that of a normal man. I got these averages from Dr. Internet. Thank you, Dr. Internet. Normal human reaction times. Reaction to visual stimuli, about 25, uh, like, a quarter of a second. Uh, For audio stimuli, 0.17 for audio, and 0.15... 1,700s. 1,700s. That was the term I was looking for. Uh, 1,700s of a second, and 1,500s of a second for visual or physical stimuli. So those are normal human reaction times. For the flash, 20 times that. He can do it in 125 thousandths of a second. It's a small ass number. It's 0.0125. um, And then like, God, he can react. That's visual audio is 0.0085. And for physical, it's 0.0075. That's incredibly fast. Um, these numbers and I, which don't hang out very much, indicate that the flash moves... Just baseline, as a human being, his body's reaction times are incredibly overclocked. I could have just said 20 times, but I wanted to give you numbers, because I'm sure someone out there is going to be like, wow, that's impressive. Someone can tell us how impressive that is. We then get to Flash Comics number 8, August 1940. He says he's 50 times faster than a human, which is faster than he was before, And they also mentioned that he can throw a punch at 800 miles per hour. And they start throwing around some, like... They start throwing around some, like, calculations for actual boxers who are, like, the fastest, like, human punch from this guy is, like, 137. And I'm like, he would literally... He would literally obliterate a man's skull at 800 miles per hour
1: of a no, punch. No, I, I, I looked around and, like, the mantis shrimp mm-hmm. punches
0: at 50 miles an hour. Right. I don't know where they pulled those numbers. Yeah, from. I was like, mm, okay, like, that's like making human body parts goo when punching. One way or another, when you've got that much speed, yeah, that's going to happen. But, yeah. like, the base human amount is not 125 yeah, I miles know. an hour. Uh, Flash, number 9, September 1940, he runs hundred 1735 miles from his home in 2 hours and they mentioned that that's slow for him. Yeah, they start again, it's like they're just throwing numbers out arbitrarily. Flash number Flash Comics number 13 January 1941, he travels 1768 miles in half an hour. And that's around again, me and math folks, 3536 miles per hour. That's between Mach 1 and 5. Like 1.2 to 5, that's like mm-hmm. the Mach 1.2 to 5 range. That's supersonic speed. Supersonic speeds for jets, planes, cars, things like that are in that range. 1.2 to 5. I mean, Mach. Mach 1 is literally the speed of sound, right? Yeah. So Jay is, Jay is again, outpacing the invisible jet pretty thoroughly. <laughs> um, he's leaving Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor behind here. Again, this is not as fast as Superman has moved. Because we did that calculation of Superman oh God, catching yeah. that bullet between Lois and the that, dude. That's a quick jump but instead that is a, of an endurance run. However, if he can travel that fast just going, and remember, Superman can hold his breath for two hours. Dude's got some endurance. Yeah, no question about that one. So he can sprint that fast. He's already sprinting faster than Jay's baseline. <laughs>
1: well the question is how long he can maintain it like theoretically technically there are different kinds of endurance possible right i'm just saying but yeah if they ran if they ran
0: for 10 minutes clark would already be much further than than jay would be at that speed hmm. if it's just a 10 like just a sprint yeah. it'd just be like okay run as fast <laughs> as far as you can in 10 minutes and like clark's like i'm still here why because i ran around the world <laughs> that's what happens um so some final thoughts that I have based off of the reading that we did. Um, Jay is just absolute shit at the secret identity <laughs> thing. And that was the first thing that you latched onto
1: and you've been talking about it all It week. bothers it the
0: ever-loving hell out of me because Jay does some really dumb, nonsensical things with his secret identity, mainly things like playing tennis with himself in his civilian clothes, and playing that, baseball that your with himself. one syndrome, the other one not so much. Well, playing yeah. baseball with himself. At a baseball diamond in public during broad daylight, where he's hitting, catching, and throwing, and playing an entire game by himself. Or that one time his car disappears underneath him, and a guy goes, hey mister, what's going on? And he says, hold on one second, and he turns into the flash in front of this person, and then says, okay, now we can have a conversation. I'm like... Do you not care? Oh, uh, my favorite is the Olympic situation. So Jay Garrick <laughs> goes to this Olympic trial thing to stop these guys from betting on the Olympic trials and enters the trials as Jay Garrick and proceeds to run flash speeds to beat everyone, to screw up the betting odds. And it and like that right there. Like anyone can put that together, especially since you're not wearing a mask in general. There's a stadium full of witnesses that know that a man named Jay Garrick can run pretty damn fast. Like, it's just... I got mad that Gardner Fox didn't take this opportunity to use a really, like, really crappy, schlocky pseudonym of giving the first, you know, the first uh, initials F, L, and then Ash. Like, Franklin Lloyd Ash. And I would have been like, that would have been <laughs> that would've, I would've laughed. amazing... I and I would have, I would have forgiven the whole thing if he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and like wink just and nod. Yeah. And all, all Jay does is wink and nod at you because he's so smarmy mm-hmm. about being the Flash. It's painful. Joan is not really a good person in general. She's not mean. She's not like kind of cutthroat like Lois is. Mm-hmm. But the two things I latched onto where the first time he meets her as... I'm Jay Garrick now with superpowers. He sees her outside of his hospital, runs out to her with the, with the flash speed. She's like, Oh my God, Jay, you're so fast. He's like, Yeah. Um, you want to go on a date? Mind you, the time she rejected him was because he was a bench warmer for the football team in their college. And she's like, nah, I don't want to. You're a bench warmer. So the vibe I got
1: from that initial interaction was. You you are doing football stuff, but you're not doing it great. And if you focused on your studies, you could actually make something of yourself.
0: I I got well. She mentioned another dude. Yeah, she was like, "This guy's better than you." And I was like, "I got the impression that Joan wanted to hitch her wagon to a winning horse." And I was like, "All right, I mean, that's a college (laughs) thing that people do, but." The second he shows up with superpowers, she's like, tell you what, I'll go on a date with you if you help our team win. And I'm like, okay. You're one syndrome. No. No, because then the baseball thing happens at the same time. She does the exact same thing. Mm. She says, you know what? You could be really cool on the baseball team. Every time he does a thing that is completely unfair to normal people, she's like, why did you stop? (laughs) And he's like, because it's not fair. Like, she doesn't care about that. I kind of read that
1: more as like a... Generally, when she says, why did you stop? Like, the vibe I got was that was more my read was that that was her just serving as the exposition bounce. Of course
0: it was an exposition balance, but, but the, the way it comes across from her previous interactions, like, mm-hmm. like, using his speed to have their college win and as a reward she would date him, I got the impression that Joan cares more about his powers than she does Jay. Because remember, she also refers to him specifically as Flash. Hmm. And doesn't call him Jay for the majority of this entire volume until he tells her to call him Jay. Because he doesn't want some of these people that he's around to know he's the Flash. She is in love with him and the idea of the Flash. She's not really into Jay. I don't get that impression. Because when he leaves to do the stuff at the Hmm. circus... Hmm. She's like you left me here, and then she does that whole thing where she tries to make him jealous with the baseball owner, mm. for no reason. So I almost read that
1: as a settled couple kind of playing with each other,
0: but 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 I don't put, know, put in contrast. Put in contrast, Alan and, and Irene, mm. a settled couple who argue and play around with each other and give each other crap occasionally, versus a woman who's. Continual so here's, here's is, the
1: thing like we didn't we didn't read those the same
0: way right I just I went from like every time you talk to this guy you're trying to get him to use his powers to do a thing, and that's of course bad writing and using Joan as a plot device but that's not cool she's just like why don't you do this it'd be really cool if you do that hey Flash it's like he's a person call him call him Jay you've known him for like for a while at least. Like, you, you almost were dating him. You hung out with him. It's not like you met the Flash and then found out he was Jay and you just call him Flash. Like, even Diane refers to Wesley as Wes, even though she met him primarily as the Sandman first. All the significant others refer to their person they're attached to by the person's real first name. Joan is the only one who refers to Jay as Flash. There's some truth to that. And that's weird to me. I'm not comfortable with that woman. Specifically because Joan and Jay are a model for Barry, Iris, Wally, and Linda. As the power couple of the Flash dynasty of the two people who've stayed together the longest. I don't have a great sense of Jay
1: in the modern interpretation. I don't think this is the same.
0: No, it's not. But it's just weird that like... It's the evolution
1: A to Z, right?
0: So I just I am not a fan of Joan, Fair. specifically with my connection to the Flash universe as a whole. Not a fan of her uh, in this uh, iteration. Um, the power creep is super real for Jay. <laughs> um, it's just issue. Although effort. they do take away him throwing. Uh, darts. He does, he, yeah, and then he does these metallic bolts. Of lightning that he just has fashioned that, like, they're basically bad things, yeah. um, but are incredibly dangerous because he's throwing them at flash speeds. <laughs> if you think about it, yep, um, most likely, this is a direct relation to for those of you who have watched the Flash CW TV show, him teaching Barry how to throw lightning. It's a little nod to that. Um, also, you've got heavy water, hard water uh, from the TV show to the comparison of the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, just why does he undress everyone? So are we about to embark I think, into that? Yeah, um, yeah I just, um, we'll, we'll get into that in a second then, if that's a big thing for you. Um, I just He's very much like Superman. I get the impression... So that's where I'm going to go on this. I just got the impression that him and Superman would just be like best buds of the JSA, where they're just like, yeah, let's do things because we think we know what's right, and no one can literally stop us because they can't. And I just got the impression that Jay and, and Clark would be the uh, the two big bullies of the JSA. <laughs> so, I'm actually
1: going to strongly disagree. Okay. Because, for me, the phrase that we always used with Superman was humiliation. But I think there was more to it than humiliation. I think it was, I don't, I can't come up with a word that blends these two things, but humiliation and malice. You don't think I Jay humiliates Jay, in his people? I view Jay. I, view, I do agree that Jay humiliates. I think Jay is fundamentally a trickster god. He is a coyote character. I think that Jay is being this cartoony, over the top uh, guy who beats the bad guys, and oh, I gotcha. You're done this time. Uh, whereas Superman is, fuck you, you lose let me explain to you in these concrete terms how little you mean.
0: And that's and that's interesting because in the comics, Jay tends to undress his villains at super speed and proceed to mock them for being in their underwear, which he has now put them in. Mm. And then he wins. It's a got your nose. Yeah, um, except for the times that he physically torments those two criminals at the circus by spinning them around and throwing them in the air which was incredibly which, superman
1: which is well the action was
0: the delivery was trickster it's, in my mind it was that does, so so it's still funny still bullying though oh absolutely and that's the thing it's Just would, because I, it's
1: just, i would it's the it's the class clown who's actually funny versus the shithead
0: i don't i don't know if what he does is funny I think what he does is legitimately a, a man it, pulling the no, wings no. off here's the flies. here's the
1: thing. It's different context. It's, uh... Okay, I'm going to segue a little bit because... Or a tangent a little bit because this is something that I think is fascinating. And I think you also have a stake in it. Uh, the rules of what are, what is ethical superheroing is vastly different in a world that follows superhero trope conventions where the good guys do win, where it is possible to save the day at the last possible minute, where you can risk it all for the actual good outcome instead of saying, okay, we have to cut our losses and actually take the best reasonable outcome versus a world that obeys the dramatic rules of actual real life where it's, no, sometimes the best thing is cut your losses, kill the guy, Say I can't save those civilians. It is actually ethically better for me not to die saving 10 regular civilians because I can save 100 tomorrow. So in this case, I think the rules that the, the world and the story logic that Jay exists in are more cartoony, more trickster, more everybody... Everybody lived happily ever after. Uh, and I'll, you notice that trend comes through because especially those clowns and a couple of the other villains are redeemed at the end of the story. Or if nothing else, redeemed may not be the right word, but uh, turned to the side of good. They do, okay. a, they do a face they turn. They turn a new leaf.
0: I mean, they do a face turn. Mm-hmm. And let's, I will put it to you this way then. I am perceiving this in the, in the vein of Itchy and Scratchy and Tom and Jerry. That is a lot of violence Mm, that is supposed to be comical that is happening with complete safety and it's mm -hmm. believed okay because it's a cartoon and it's old and no one's really getting hurt and everything is okay at the end. That still doesn't mean that what they're doing to each other isn't wrong.
1: So I'm going to partially agree. I'm going to bring up the rom-com example. Right. uh what is it uh, say anything is the showing up with the boombox.
0: yeah that doesn't mean that's okay
1: it doesn't however within the context of that story it's okay to say I acknowledge this let me turn off that part of my brain a little bit and this is a and, romantic. and again and I think that well, that's
0: that's where you and I have our divide mm-hmm. I can't do that there we go because yep. that's that's the thing is we're too many bumps in the road too many hitches on my roller coaster I start realizing that this is a thing made out of steel and wood and it's not actually what it is um you and I have this conversation every time we talk about movies (laughs) that you like and I don't like or things that I like that you're just like meh about and it's it's not neither of us is wrong for thinking the way that we do personally I just looking at this as a lens of looking back on this that's really messed up what he was doing to people He was tormenting people who literally were frightened because this man was doing things that they'd never seen before and he was also invisible 90% of the time to these people and also the fact that he would like run past people who were in cars and look at what they were doing and just like disregarding all sorts of rules and protocol that like Green Lantern totally did. The only person who disregarded rules like the Flash the only two characters who have have been Wonder Woman and Superman, two characters who legitimately believe that they are above the situation because what they believe is correct. Wonder Woman is always in the right. She is rarely ever morally gray. Superman is, bro, um, there's a way to handle this and you're doing it wrong. Like, I'm going to destroy all these buildings because they help poor driving. Not okay, Flash, don't worry about it, it's cool, zips into a room that he just, like, decides he can do. Versus Green Lantern will at least do it at night. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and phase through a wall. Can, can we get a Green Lantern does it at night shirt? Yeah, exactly. Like, Green Lantern will do it at night and phase past people and try and knock them out, as opposed to Flash showing up and being like, I need to get in here. And the person's like, no, man. Flash does it brazenly? Yeah, it's like, no, sir dressed in a weird elf outfit, you can't. <laughs> and he goes, okay, well then fuck you, and just runs past him. It's like, why even do it at all if you're going to do that? There's no point in you going up to these individuals. It's just so you can one-up them. Flash is maybe a class clown, but he enjoys feeling superior. Jay Mm. loves being the Flash. Yes, I don't disagree. Jay's power mad, and Clark is unsympathetic. And Mm. they're a a terrifying combination of individuals. Because Jay can do things to you without your knowledge. Mm. And does that frequently to people in this world. And that's freaking (laughs) scary.
1: And it is, and for me that fits into the but, paradigm but, of
0: but we, the bad we have, guys
1: being punished.
0: But we have continually... We always knock Clark down for doing that, regardless of the bad guys. We're like, you argue, shouldn't be doing that, man. So I would argue that the reason that that is the case is because uh, Clark and the
1: story of Superman is fundamentally not one of fantasy, in my opinion. The world that he is living in, in this version of Superman... It is not a fantastic world. Neither is this one. I would actually argue that it is. Because because the way the stories... Honestly, it comes back to the way the stories are structured. The meta... The the trappings of narrative that are being used in the Flash stories are... That doesn't doesn't come into account I can't quite put my, my hands on what exactly it is that makes them fantasy versus not. But the Superman stories feel to me like... You know what it is? It might be the. This is what you would do if you had superpowers versus flashes. Hey, cool guy with superpowers. Here's a weird situation. Go do it. That's just like and not Green even Lantern, necessarily though. weird. But and the then, fans, but those are those honestly are, Green Lantern.
0: I'll actually buy that. That's a little more fantasy as well. But those are weirder situations that he does. He takes liberties that he shouldn't take in those, too. I will fully admit that there is no reason for a Green Lantern in those comics to knock out police guards and wipe mm. people's memory like he does just because he can. That's completely irresponsible uses of your powers, regardless of the situation. Like, the the only time I would have allowed him to do it is when he wipes the minds of the mobsters to keep them from remembering who the identity mm. of this woman is so that they don't connect her with, their, with a dead mob boss. The only time I was okay with it. Also... Jay lets people die. Right. Year one syndrome doesn't count. But that's the same throughout, pretty much. He's willing to let people do stuff to each He's other. He's willing to put them in situations wherein he
1: at least believes that he has complete control of the situation. But that doesn't mean it's if okay, If he were though. ever wrong, if he were ever wrong, and that's the difference everything is, changes. And that's the scary part. And there's part. the realism versus fantasy. But, but that's the scary part about it, is that Jay... It's only scary if you make the villains human. And because that's, they are, though. That's a frightening, horrifying thing to think about. But that's where I come back to. This is not a story about humans on the other side. It's about
0: uh, it's about characters. So the one that actually really frightens me is the war story. Hmm. That one's out of character. That one is... Com- well, no, that's completely in character for him. It, it is... It's an, completely, it's a completely the, in character. The story. story story's out of place, but it's completely in character for him. The
1: actions are in character. For me, the tone and feel of the story is up.
0: So what what Jay ends up doing is he's called to fight for this country to help win the war, and instead of fighting and hurting people, like Superman would have done, he disarms the entire opposing army in a single day. And not only disarms them, he gives all the munitions and arms to the opposing army. And he does it in such a way that even in a certain situation, the other army doesn't realize that's what's happening, and they almost kill defenseless people. Because... He's not communicating with anybody what he's doing. He's just doing it. He gives the other army all the other army's guns, takes all their shells, puts them in a different location, and then he disarms and makes these submarines completely unusable so that they all have to surface. And then there's an entire air force about to bomb these, and only then does he realize, oh, maybe I should stop these guys from killing all these defenseless people who have no way of defending themselves and don't know what's going on, and tells them to stop. That's the kind of person that Jay is. Jay thinks about the consequences after, and then and then pretends like it was part of his plan. That's a dangerous individual.
1: And I'll agree, for a a realistic world. For a in a realistic
0: world. And I don't, I don't. But that's the thing: is that in these other situations, despite them not being realistic, we always put we we knock them down a peg for doing things. Batman, we say bad boo on you for killing those people that you didn't have to kill. Uh, Sandman occasionally does some stuff that's like you could have done other things besides do that, but you chose to do that.
1: And I'll agree generally, but I actually do think that this is it more of an exception than we usually see because it's so tongue-in-cheek in the way it's written. But why does it have to be an exception? Good. I don't think it's an because
0: exception. I think it's just I think it's just a different flavor of the same thing. There doesn't there doesn't need this doesn't need to be an exception. And. That's there, what I'm saying. We like, disagree. But I but I don't see why there needs to be one. Why does there okay. have to be an exception?
1: It doesn't need for me it doesn't need to be it just is. Well, it's why? it's written differently. The rules of for, well, me, they're the, all for me the written <laughs> <rules> differently. <of, laughs> I mean for me, the rules of storytelling are different in different kinds of stories. The the things that are acceptable behavior are different based in different kinds of stories. I go back to ethics in superheroing versus spy those are two different stories. So I wouldn't
0: I would agree that superhero comics or spy comics or even fantasy comics have different moral systems. But these are all in the same world. No. They're all in and New they, York City. The, they're all in the same time frame and they all have recognizable landmarks and recognizable real situations apart from the The weird night is not outline. the same world as the day. The spot that's in shadow
1: is not in the same spot, is not the same world as when you're walking into a streetlight. And I would; those I, are different.
0: That's ways. the difference. Is I would say if they're all in different cities, fake cities, then yeah, they're all in a real city with real problems that real people were facing. A lot of these are real situations: gambling, not enough food, people, uh, rackets, and the
1: approach to them is very different.
0: And that doesn't mean that it's different, though. Just because somebody it does no, and, and to me, and I'm just to like me it does. That's just a different person tackling a situation differently. That's just people think differently. Because to Jay, this is how you do this. And to Clark, this is how you do this. Just because it's the same situation and they have different ways of doing it doesn't mean that there are different merits. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, Jay doesn't hurt anybody, quote-unquote. He doesn't beat people up. But Jay is tormenting them in a different fashion. He's tormenting them psychologically and morally and emotionally. Versus Clark is outright terrifying them to their core. As a human being and making them fear for their mortal lives. Jay is being a bully. Because he can. And no one can stop him. Even then, he he doesn't ever encounter a villain who can ever do anything to him. Hmm. And it's just, this is how Jay handles a problem. That doesn't mean that it's a different world. It's just, same problem, different world. Wonder Woman would have handled all these situations differently. Green Lantern as well. Um, Sandman, Batman, they all would have handled the same situations differently. But that doesn't mean... That the rules don't apply in this world, and so
1: we're, we're we're circling around right now. So I I propose that we table that and move on. Mm. But because we fundamentally have a disagreement about what fundamentally is this a fantasy story or not, and does that mean anything? Yeah, I've and seen. that is two immensely different ways of approaching storytelling. Well, which I is just I fascinating. I get to that, the we part. Have that disagreement. Well, yeah, no, I and
0: I'm not saying that you're. Mm-hmm. I'm not you know ragging well, on how you believe yeah, about no, it or we, anything like that. It's it.
1: fascinating it's, that we have a shared. So so much shared experience of what we process what kind of culture we take in and have very different ways of of thinking about stories Right, it's it's, it's interesting that the inputs are so similar and the outputs of Perception or rather the perception of the outputs is different. I do have some stuff that I have to go over so we've talked a little bit about uh, general narrative structure, and that was some of my big picture, like I kind of want to talk about, trickster, blah, blah, blah. But I also have science. Yes, science is always good. So I've got a lot of science here, for the record. It's a lot of science. So let's start off with heavy water and hard water. Which there's a huge difference of. A substantial difference. So it refers to it as hard water, the chemicals that... He is around and... Smoking in his laboratory. (laughs) Look, back in the day, they didn't know. They thought it was like throat protection. (laughs) I know. Yeah, hard water is just water that has a lot of dissolved metals in it, mainly calcium or magnesium. Kids, you will not become the flash if you snort limestone. Yeah, that's just fact. You know what else is fact? (laughs) Heavy water is weird. is that like
0: nuclear water or like irradiated water? Well, well,
1: well. So apparently at one point they retcon it to be heavy water. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. You can tell I'm
0: not the smart one.
1: Anyway. Uh, Apparently they eventually retcon it to be heavy water, which also doesn't make sense. But heavy water doesn't make sense as a whole. So you know how hydrogen is the simplest atom out there? Uh, One electron, one proton. Slap two of those next to an oxygen atom and you have water yeah so heavy water is if you add a neutron to each of those hydrogen atoms okay which is itself a little bit interesting and odd uh but then you get a uh it essentially is water just with slightly different chemical properties like it has a different boiling and freezing point it's a little bit higher for each like it freezes at three and a half degrees centigrade which is weird um hmm. uh, Because of the chemical properties that it has, it is usable in or it is used in some specific uh, forms of nuclear reactors, uh, specifically early model uh, nuclear reactors. They used a lot of that. Modern versions tend to have different things, but uh, specifically it's i believe it's like a shielding unit more or less rather than a cooling but Mm -hmm. by having that in a certain spot you can actually make it so that the only certain uh certain uh, uranium isotopes uh, get reacted with rather than others uh so you wind up processing better is my loose understanding is is there a purpose for heavy water like is it used in anything Mm -hmm. yeah okay Uh, it is used in a variety of things. there's some general chemistry stuff and it is used in nuclear processing of uh, enriched uranium, I so, think, it's probably so right Jay
0: is essentially taking a sauna of enriched uranium water.
1: No, well here's the thing. That that it's unless it has already been exposed to something else, it's just heavy water. You need to get about fifty percent of the human body's water to be replaced by heavy water. Yeah. And in fact, at one point someone got disgruntled working at a power plant and took a scoop of like, uh, of water from a uranium enrichment spot, dumped it into people's like, uh, like the water in the canteen mm. and people got sick, not from the water, but from the fact it was, Exposed to uranium. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, not a great day. Uh, people That's passed a, hum- a
0: little bit of blood. That's a Homer Simpson situation. Yeah, it uh, wasn't the worst for them though. I'm I'm just liking the idea that Jay Garrick is effectively studying bullshit. Yes, like he's actually not six hundred dollar per kilogram bullshit. He's not. Yeah, like he's just. Is he the dude in the science lab that they're like, yeah, Jay, you get the the heavy water experiment. Go for it. Well, this is his doctoral paper he's been here for years just give him the heavy water stuff it's
1: specifically the vapor bit that's weird because it is relatively new tech uh, the electrolysis that can produce heavy water right. uh, which is one of the reasons uh, or specifically uh, getting to situations where it's easy to mass produce it which is why Norway was so important because it had the infrastructure to really cheaply make the electricity which is used to manufacture heavy water which was used in nuclear processing, which was one of the reasons that the Nazi occupation of Norway could have gone really south. Uh, But yeah, but here's the real takeaway. So one of the weird chemical properties uh, is the way it plays out. Jesus Christ, ice made from deuterium oxide sinks. Hmm. It is way creepier than you'd think to see something that looks like ice put
0: in a glass and Mm. It's weird. It's really weird. No bueno. I don't like that. (laughs) Nope. Let's not do that. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Next science thing. Uh, The atomic bombarder. Oh, God. (laughs) So, Joan's dad is working on an atomic bombarder, which is just, to my knowledge, just science gobbledygook. But apparently it's a thing. Well no
1: bombarding atoms is not a thing well bombarding atoms is a thing i mean that's how you start a nuclear reaction uh but uh it's unclear what this is it might even be a nuclear powered uh long rifle essentially okay uh you you could potentially do that the same way that he's a
0: military scientist he does definitely have a rank and he is dressed in military dress
1: yeah okay uh i think he might actually be ex-military specifically but still working with the militarians
0: a defense contractor? Cool.
1: Know. All right. Uh, but one thing that I found especially interesting, they don't go into any details of what the atomic bombarder not. is. But, it's Carter Fox. Uh, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. uh, they say they'll be able to sell the plans for a million dollars per country. The Manhattan Project was $2 billion in total. Now, I want to segue for a minute. That makes me legitimately angry because we talk about the Manhattan Project as this benchmark for putting your entire energy behind something. But it was cheap as hell. Hmm. Uh, it was uh, 26 billion dollars in modern money. Uh, it was 130,000 people, most of whom were uh, construction and plant workers. Uh, it was a tenth of a percent of the US GDP uh, for like two years essentially, hmm. is would have paid off the entire Manhattan Project. Uh, think about like whenever anybody says we need a Manhattan project moment, it's like, no. That's not what this is, it, unless the point is that it would be so cheap for us to do these anti-global warming, anti-meteor uh, coming towards Earth uh, kind of initiatives, and well, we just of have that to is, do you it. You just need
0: to hire Bruce Willis and Aerosmith, and that's cheap. You know, Bruce Willis doesn't have a lot of money anymore. And he doesn't. <laughs> all he needs to know how to do a drill, maybe.
1: Which which would be harder, hiring Aerosmith or hiring
0: Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis, I imagine. Uh, I hear he's right. tough to work with. Oh, yeah. Aerosmith, you I give me Steven Tyler needs work. I <laughs> mean, has been on American Idol for too long. Oh. Um, oh, a thing to who, mention with um, Joan and her father. Joan uh-huh. says she's going to be an assistant for her father when they graduate college. Uh, yeah. And they demote her to a secretary. Uh, yeah. What the... Why? What is the point of it? It's just like... It's just like Irene... Like there was no reason to demote Irene. She wasn't doing anything that would one conflict with the story. If anything, Irene's position was going to give more plot points because mm-hmm. Irene was going to do the the, the lowest-lane thing. And having Joan also be a scientist would have been cool cuz then they would have been like science pals and been like, "Let's solve this problem together cuz we're science both, pals." Yeah, doing science together. Right. Yeah, as like, pals. As pals. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't I'm not I'm not team Jane and Joan at the moment. So they can be friends, I just don't really like them as a couple. Anyway.
1: I have two more bits. Go ahead. Uh, one of which is not actually science. Uh, for shame. But you noticed... Mr. Wizard. You noticed in there that it, there was a bit where they mentioned Duluth and uh, a Kansas tornado... or a Kansas twister yeah. going through a Minnesota quarter? <laughs> I think for one, at least one issue, it's actually set in Minnesota. Because you notice... With the first issue, they mention he's going back to New York. After that, they keep saying Western vaguely, like he went to a Western university. And they actually change what they mean by that. Yeah, uh, it it goes from like uh, Western State University to a western university to western university or something like well, that because
0: there is a northwestern university that's a real thing I mean, uh yes in chicago yeah so i was letting that slide because i have heard of northwestern university mm-hmm. thank you ncaa and mm-hmm. i was familiar i was like yeah okay western university they just made one up but that's that name wasn't out of the ordinary for me but that's interesting that it but yeah resonated with you uh
1: not that in itself but just the general implication of westness and I wonder if that's where Gardner Fox is from or if he Kansas has families from
0: that or experiences from there that could have colored you know like oh yeah tornadoes mm. and things it's like if he has personal experiences then like I don't see a reason why he can't make references to it
1: that's specifically the call out a Kansas Twister in the Mississippi corridor like mm. to me that says for at least that one issue it was set in Mississippi like, yeah entirely possible yeah <laughs> which is entertaining and one last bit uh so, we see supervillains. In fact, you have posted a picture of a supervillain threatening to dissolve someone with acid. I
0: did, yes, on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Um, on both accounts. On mine and the, the one for the podcast.
1: So, I'm told by Dr. Internet, if you're just trying to dissolve everything of a body except for teeth and bones, you're probably better off with a base uh, but if you want to get rid of the bones and the teeth as well, you should probably
0: go with an acid. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see it being situational for the, for the material. Mm-hmm. Um, next episode is going to be a little bit of a different one. We're going to take a bit of a break. Um, we are getting the material for our next character, which is going to be Hawkman. Who is going to be... I'm excited to read about because my experience with Carter Hall is very limited. And this is going to be an interesting experience because he has some sick-ass covers... In this volume on Flash Comics, he looks like a bundle of fun and no shirt. Um, I'm excited for that, but in between, Matt and I got to talking about possibly pitching y'all some Golden Age stories that we have come up with just based off of the experience we're getting from these comics. Um, And the first one is going to be a pitch that I'm coming up with. Just going to be a small episode of me kind of detailing a storyline, and then Matt and I are going to talk about it a little bit, like kind of the reasoning behind it, and I'm going to try and pitch it as a Golden Age comic, or rather a contemporary comic with all the characters written as their golden age selves
1: alright folks it's been a pleasure Uh, by the time you hear this it's probably going to be approaching the holiday season yes so So
0: happy holidays for whichever one you celebrate and if you don't celebrate one uh, please enjoy the time with your loved ones that you uh, have on your vacations from work and things like that I'm sure there's you know school breaks and work breaks and things like that if you don't just enjoy yourselves be good to each other and uh, we will see you next time
1: DC Detectives can be found on
0: iTunes and SoundCloud. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com for visual aids and more.
1: We finally caught up with him at the gas station, all smiles and self-aggrandizement. We chatted about his origin and his latest save-the-day moment. Did you know he stopped a war? In a foreign country, even. By the time we drove off, we'd heard all about his heroics. But the real conversation was still going. Was this the right kind of heroism? The jury was still out.